Hi, this is Shani, and welcome to the first part of our five-part prophecy series. Um, today, we're going to be looking at the 70 weeks prophecy of Daniel chapter 9, and we're going to be looking at exactly how it points to Jesus Christ, when exactly he was supposed to arrive on the scene of history. So if you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 9, and we're going to be reading from verse 24 to 27. Daniel chapter 9, reading from verse 24 to 27. The Bible says, Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and the prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. The street shall be built again, and the wall even in troublous times. And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with the flood, and unto the end of the war desolations are determined. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, and in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations he shall make it desolate even until the consummation and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Okay, so this is the this is the prophecy and what we're going to do is we're going to be breaking it down, looking at different parts of the prophecy to see what the Bible says or how the Bible actually um, helps us to understand those different parts of the prophecy and then we'll see exactly how this prophecy points to the first coming of Jesus. So the first thing we're going to look at is the part where it says, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem, Unto Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks and three score and two weeks. Okay, so the Bible says that from this command, from this command um, to restore and to build Jerusalem, there's a certain period of time. So at least we know that that's the starting point of this prophecy. So let's try to understand that what is this going forth of the going forth of the commandment to restore and and to build Jerusalem. Well, first thing we need to understand is the state of Jerusalem at the time when Daniel is um, receiving this receiving this vision. Um, let's go to Daniel chapter 1. And we're going to read verses 1 to verse 6. Daniel chapter 1, reading from verse 1 to verse 6. It says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. Verse 3, And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, and um, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel, and of the king's seed, and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom, and cunning in knowledge, and understanding science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. Verse 5, And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were, uh, now among these were of the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Okay, so this, this verse or this, part, this portion of scripture is telling us that Nebuchadnezzar actually besieged Jerusalem. 
And he also had a large number of Jews taken captive from Jerusalem and he brought them to Babylon. And so Daniel is one of these people, it says there in verse 6, that he's one of these, one of these individuals that Nebuchadnezzar brought from Jerusalem to um, Babylon. And, um, that we, that, and, that, and that's why we find him in Babylon at the time of this prophecy. So at the time of this prophecy, Jerusalem has been besieged. The temple of God has been destroyed. Um, and there's people that are in Babylon that came from, that came as captives from Jerusalem. And if we go to the book of 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 24 and 25 actually describes to us how this um, besieging took place. 2 Kings chapter 24 and 25. I'm not going to read the whole, um, the entire uh, chapters. I'm just going to you know, pick out a few verses here and there. If we look at chapter 24, verse 1, it says, In his days, this is Jehoiakim, In his days, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up, and Jehoiakim became his servant three years. Then he turned and rebelled against him. Okay? And then verse 2 says, And the Lord sent, sent against him bands of the Chaldees, and bands of the Syrians, and bands of the Moabites, and bands of the children of Ammon, and sent them against Judah to destroy it, according to the word of the Lord which he spoke, which he spake by his servants, the prophets. Okay, so... The rest of chapter 24 describes the besieging of Jerusalem, and actually the besieging happened multiple times. And by the time we get to chapter 25, we see also that, you know, this besieging um, continues. Verse, chapter 25 verse 1 says, And it came to pass in the ninth year of his reign, in the tenth month, in the tenth day of the month, that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came, he and all his host against Jerusalem, and pitched against it, and they built forts against it, forts against it round about. And the city was besieged until the eleventh year of King Zedekiah. And if you go down to verse um, verse eight, it says, "And in the fifth month, on the seventh day of the month, which is the nineteenth year of King Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came Nebuzaradan, captain of the guard, a servant of the king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem." Verse nine, and he burnt the house of the Lord and the king's house and all the houses of Jerusalem and every great man's house burnt he with fire. So Jerusalem has been besieged by King Nebuchadnezzar and the captain of his guard. He's destroyed the temple of God and he's taken captives of Jerusalem, taken captives of Judah and he's taken them to, to Babylon. And this is why Daniel finds himself in Babylon. And this is why now um, there, there's a prophecy for a command to restore and to rebuild Jerusalem. So Jerusalem is in ruins and the time of, of Daniel's prophecy. So we need to try to find now this commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem. And in order to do that, we need to turn to one of the books of history. Now, what I need you to understand is that the Bible is not um, arranged in a manner that is necessarily chronological. The Bible is arranged in a systematic manner, in a systematic manner that is not necessarily uh, chron uh, chronological. The first five books of the Bible, from Genesis to Deuteronomy, are what we call the books of the law or the books of Moses. Then after that, we have the books of history. That's from Joshua to Esther. After that, we have books of poetry. That's from Job to Song of Solomon. And then we have the major prophets, Isaiah to Daniel, and the minor prophets, Hosea to Malachi. And so in order for us to find this command to restore and to rebuild Jerusalem, we actually have to turn to one of the books of history, and that's the book of, of Ezra. Let's turn to the book of the book of Ezra. Ezra chapter 1. Now you'll see Ezra chapter 1 verse 1. It says, Now in the first year of, of, of uh, Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, 
The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it also in writing, saying, Thus saith um, Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he hath charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judea. Or in Judah. Okay. So first thing I want you to notice from um, from this this opening of the book of Ezra is that it takes place in the time of, of, of Cyrus, the king of Persia, and Cyrus lived uh, much later than than Nebuchadnezzar and much later than the time of Daniel's prophecy in Daniel chapter nine. So even though the book of Ezra, which is a book of history, comes earlier in the Bible, the events that take place actually come later um, than than the events that take place in the time of Daniel. Okay, so Daniel is prophesying something that's going to take place, and that thing actually takes place, is described as taking place in the book of Ezra, even though Ezra comes earlier on in, in the Bible. And you'll also see that it speaks about um, that the word of the Lord might be fulfilled by the mouth of Jeremiah. Jeremiah is also one of the major prophets, and so the book of Jeremiah comes later on in the Bible, later than Ezra, and the events described or prophesied in Jeremiah actually take place in the book of Ezra, which comes earlier on in the Bible. Okay, so the book begins in the time of um, the book of Daniel. It showed us there that it begins in the time of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. And over here it tells us that this book begins in the time of Cyrus. And Cyrus' reign came much later than the reign of Nebuchadnezzar. So Ezra actually describes to us three different decrees to um, uh, that that um, are in line with or, or, or um, you know, sort of they kind of speak to um, this this prophecy in Daniel, this, this command to restore and to build Jerusalem. We're going to go through those three decrees. Um, continuing to read from verse 2, it says, Thus Cyrus, thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he hath charged me to build him an house of a house at uh, Jerusalem, which is at which is in Judah. Verse 3 says, Who is there among you of all his people? His God be with him. And let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of God, or the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is the God which is in Jerusalem. And whosoever remaineth in any place where he sojourneth, let the men of his place help him with silver and with gold, and with goods and with beasts, beside the freewill offering for the house of God that is in Jerusalem. Okay, so he's making a decree. And he's saying that um, he wants to build the house of God. Now, this verse, this, this portion of scripture tells us about building the house of God. And it doesn't say much about rebuilding Jerusalem. Verse 5 says, Then rose up the chief of the fathers of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites with all them whose spirit God had raised to go up to build the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem. And all they that were about them strengthened their hands and with vessels of silver with gold, with goods, and with beasts, and with precious things beside all that was willingly offered. Okay, so all these people went now to Jerusalem to rebuild the house of God, which had been destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar. So like I said, this portion, uh, this portion, the city is not mentioned um, for rebuilding and restoring. Only the temple is mentioned for, for rebuilding and restoring. And so chapter 2 speaks about, chapter 2 tells us about the different people that that now went back to Jerusalem to rebuild the house of God. And same thing in chapter 3. But by the time we get to, get to chapter 4, chapter 4 verse 1 says, 
Um, now, when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the children of the captivity builded the temple unto the Lord God of Israel, then they came to Zerubbabel and to the chief of the fathers and said unto them, Let us build with you. For we seek your God as ye do, and we do sacrifice unto him since the days of um, Esarhaddon, king of Asa, which brought us up hither. But Zerubbabel and Jeshua and the rest of the chief of the fathers of Israel said unto them, Ye have nothing to do with us to build an house unto our God, but we ourselves together will build unto the Lord God um, of Israel, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, hath commanded us. So, um, and then verse 4 says, Then the people of the land weakened the hands of the people of Judah and troubled them in building. Okay, now uh, there's a couple of things that I want you to notice from this. Okay, so if this is the adversaries, right? The adversaries are these people that are now building the house of God. And they're saying, hey, we want to build with you. And, and these people are actually saying, no, we don't want you to build with us. And as a result of that, it says that they troubled um, or they weakened the hands of the people, and it says they troubled them in building. Now, remember the prophecy in Daniel said that um, there was this, this wall, it speaks about a wall that's going to be built in troublous times. Now, what happened in chapter 4 is that uh, these people now made it difficult for them to continue building the house of God, and they even went to the king at that time, and they told him that, you know, these people are, are, are building they they building um, Jerusalem as a city, and if you and if they continue to build Jerusalem, then they're not going to be paying taxes anymore. And so, for this reason, the king at that time, Artaxerxes, forced them to stop or to cease rebuilding the temple of God because he thought that they were building the city of Jerusalem. Let's read verse twenty-three and twenty-four. It says, "Now, when the copy of King Artaxerxes' letter was read before Rehum and Shimshai the scribe." And their companions, they went up in haste to Jerusalem unto the Jews and made them to cease by force and power. Verse 24, then ceased the work of the house of God, which is at Jerusalem. So it ceased unto the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. So the, the work of the of rebuilding of this temple ceased and, um, and uh, they, they, they now, they now stopped um, rebuilding the house of God. But after some time, they continued building again. And then some men questioned them about, you know, why are you building? You shouldn't be building this temple. And they said, um, look, we are building this temple in, in, um, in response or in fulfillment of the command made by Cyrus. And so a search was made for this decree by Cyrus and they found it. And then King Darius made another decree that the work of the building of the temple be not hindered. So that's what, that's what takes place in chapter 5. And um, in chapter 6, we see... Chapter 6, verse 6 says, Now therefore, Tatnai, uh, governor beyond the river, Shethabosnai, and your companions, the Aphosacharites, or Aphosacites, which are beyond the river, be ye far from thence. Let the work of this house of God alone. Let the governor of the Jews and the elders of the Jews build this house of God in his place. Verse 8, Moreover, I make a decree what he shall do to the elders of these Jews for the building of the house of God, that of, of the king's goods, even of the tribute beyond the river, forthwith expenses be given unto these men, that they be not hindered. So this second decree now is a decree to continue rebuilding the temple of God. Once again, the um, rebuilding of the, of the city Jerusalem is not mentioned, only the rebuilding of the house of God. And the remainder of Ezra chapter 6 actually tells us how they finished rebuilding this temple of God. Chapter 6, verse, um, verse 15 says, And this house was finished on the third day of the month, Adar, which was in the sixth year of the reign of Darius the king. 
But then when we get to chapter 7, chapter 7 gives us the third decree. In Ezra chapter 7, we find that Ezra is allowed to go to Jerusalem and actually set up a government. And we read this in Ezra chapter, chapter 7 verse 21. It says, And I, even I, Artaxerxes the king, do make a decree to all the treasurers which are beyond the river, that whatsoever Ezra the priest, the scribe of the law of the God of heaven, shall require of you, it be done speedily, unto an hundred talents of silver, and to an hundred measures of wheat, and to an hundred baths of wine, and to an hundred baths of oil and salt without prescribing how much. Whatsoever is commanded by the God of heaven, let it be diligently done for the house of, of, of the God of heaven, for why should there be wrath against the realm of the king and his sons? Also we certify you that touching any of the priests and Levites, singers, porters, nethanims, or ministers of this house of God, it shall not be lawful to impose toll, tribute, or custom upon them. Verse 25, And thou, Ezra, after the wisdom of thy God that is in thine hand, set magistrates and judges, which may judge all the people that are beyond the river, all such as know the laws of thy God, and teach them, um, and teach ye them that know them not. Verse 26, And whatsoever or whosoever will not do the law of thy God and the law of the king, that judgment be executed speedily upon him, whether it be unto death or to banishment, or to confiscation of goods, or to imprisonment. And so this decree, because Ezra now is allowed to go, go back to Jerusalem and set up government, to set up judges and magistrates, and that these Levites no longer have to pay uh, toll or tribute towards, um, towards Babylon, um, for this reason, we see that this decree is much more in line with this command to restore and to rebuild Jerusalem. And so because there's now government, people are free to live there, and um, the, the city can, can flourish as an independent city. So what is the date of this decree? The date of this decree can be determined from Ezra chapter 7 verse 7. It says, And there went up some of the children of Israel, and of the priests, and the Levites, and the singers, and the porters, and the Nethanims, unto um, Jerusalem in the seventh year of Artaxerxes the king. So this took place in the seventh year of Artaxerxes the king. And the historians tell us that the seventh year of Artaxerxes was the year 457 or 457 BC. 457 BC. So now we know the starting point of the prophecy in Daniel chapter 9. Now let's go back to Daniel chapter 9. And we're going to read um, the next part of the prophecy so that we can understand um, when exactly Jesus was supposed to arrive on the scene of history. So verse 25 again, it says, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem, that's 457 BC, unto the Messiah, the Prince. Okay, so now we need to find out what does it mean when it says unto the Messiah, the Prince. Unto the Messiah, the Prince. Okay, who is the Messiah? Well, we know that Jesus is the Messiah, right? I'm going to show you um, a little bit more about that, but just this word Messiah. The word Messiah means the anointed one. And if we go to Acts chapter 10, and we're going to read verse 38. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Speaking of Jesus, um, Peter is speaking over here. And he says in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, he says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. It tells us that God, he says that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost. 
So this anointing refers to the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And the question then is, when was Jesus anointed with the Holy Ghost? Well, we know that when Jesus was baptized, the Holy Ghost came upon him in the form of a dove. So let's go to Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3 speaks about Jesus' baptism. And in verse 21 to verse 22 it says, Now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son, in thee I am well pleased. And it's after this baptism of Jesus that we find him in the temple on the Sabbath day, saying that the Spirit of the Lord is upon him. And if you just turn to Luke chapter 4, verse 18, it says, Jesus is now reading in the, in the temple, and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to deal to also sorry to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Verse 20, And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister, and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. Verse 21, And he began to say unto them, This day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. So, after Jesus was baptized, a Sabbath follows, and in that, on that Sabbath day, he finds himself in the temple, on the Sabbath day, and he's reading from Isaiah, and he's, he's reading this prophecy about the Messiah that's supposed to come and do all these great things. And then he says, the Lord is upon, and, and the prophecy says, um, you know, that this Messiah is to be anointed and then do all these things. And Jesus says, this day is this prophecy fulfilled in your ears. Basically saying that I am the fulfillment of this, um, of this prophecy. So when did this take place? Well, Luke chapter 3 tells us that, um, chapter 3 verse 1, it says, Now in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar and Pontius Pilate being governor of Judah, and Herod being Tetrarch of Galilee and his brother Philip Tetrarch of Ituria. Okay, so this happens in the 15th year of, of the reign of Tiberius Caesar. Verse 3 says, Annas and Caiaphas, being the high priest, the word of the Lord came unto John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. And he came into all the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. So it says that in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, John was actually in the wilderness preaching this baptism of repentance and it's in this time that Jesus is baptized. So when is the 15th year of Tiberius Caesar? Once again, historians tell us that this was the year 27 AD. It was in this year that John was baptizing and it was in this year that Jesus was baptized. Okay, so how many years is this now? Then? If it says that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to rebuild Jerusalem unto Messiah the Prince. So we're starting off at 457 BC and we're going all the way to 27 AD. So if we say 457 and we add 27, so from BC to AD, we're saying 457, that's 457 years to the year 0. And then from 0 to 27, that's another 27 years. So 457 plus 27 gives us 484. However, there was no 0 year. So we have to subtract that year and we get 483 years in total from 457 BC to 27 AD. Right, 483 years from the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto Messiah the Prince. Let's go to our, let's go back to our prophecy in Daniel chapter 9. 
The prophecy actually says, it tells us how long this time period should be. It says, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore unto build Jerusalem, that's 457 BC, unto Messiah the Prince, that's 27 AD, shall be seven weeks, and three score and two weeks, that's seven plus 62 weeks, which is 69 weeks. So it's telling us that um, this period of time, from the building of from the building of the commandment to restore unto build Jerusalem, going from the going forth of the commandment to restore unto build Jerusalem, unto Messiah the Prince, that Jesus' baptism should be 69 weeks. But we know that this was not 69 weeks, this was 483 years. And so this brings us to what another, another concept we have to understand, and that's the day-year principle of Bible prophecy, where one day is, um, is, is, is uh, reckoned for a year. And if we go to Numbers chapter 14, Numbers chapter 14, and we're going to read verse 33 to 34. We'll see some evidence of this day year principle. Numbers chapter 14, verse 33 and 34. It says, And your children shall wander in the wilderness forty years, and bear your whoredoms until your carcasses be wasted in the wilderness. After the number of the days in which he searched the land, even forty days, each day for a year, shall he bear your iniquities even forty years, and he shall know my breach of promise. And so God is saying that you, because of the searching out of the land that happened, and, you know, you, you search out the land for 40 days, but I'm going to punish you for 40 years. And he's saying, I'm giving you each day for a year. And so there's some evidence there about um, a day being reckoned for a year or a year being reckoned for a day. But let's go, let's look for some more evidence. Um, Ezekiel chapter 7, sorry, Ezekiel chapter 4. And we're going to read verse 5 and verse 6. Ezekiel chapter 4, verse 5 and verse 6. And in this, um, in this passage of scripture, God actually instructs Ezekiel to make a miniature representation of the city of Jerusalem. And this is a very significant prophecy because the prophecy in Daniel chapter 9 also is a prophecy about Jerusalem and, and the Israelites. Chapter 4, verse 5 and 6 says, For I have laid upon thee the years of the iniquity, according to the number of the days, 390 days, so shalt thou bear the iniquity of the house of Israel. Verse 6 and when thou hast accomplished them, lie again on thy right side, and thou shalt bear the iniquity of the house of Judah forty days. I have appointed thee each day for a year. And so he's saying that Jerusalem is going to be punished. And he's saying, I'm giving you, you know, he's basically with this miniature representation, he says, lie on your one side, lie on your other side. And he says, if you lie on the one side for forty days, they're going to be punished for forty years. And so he's saying, I have appointed thee each, each day for a year. And if we go, if we look at the um, ESV, the English Standard Version, it reads, For I assign you a number of days, 390 days, equal to the number of the years of their punishment. Right? So 390 days equal to the number of the years of their punishment. Verse 6, So long shall you bear the punishment of the house of Israel. And when you have completed these, you shall lie down a second time, but on your right side, and bear the, the punishment of the house of Judah. Forty days I assign you a day for each year. And one more um, one more piece in Luke chapter 13. This is Jesus speaking, and Jesus is also using this day-year principle. It's obviously something that was very common when it came to when it came to prophecy, this day-year principle. Luke chapter 13, verse 31 to 33 says, The same day there came certain of the Pharisees, saying unto him, 
Get thee out and depart hence, for Herod will kill thee. And he said unto them, This is Jesus, Go ye out, or sorry, go ye and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out devils, and I do cures today, and tomorrow, and the third day I shall be perfected. Nevertheless, I must walk today, and tomorrow, and the third day following, for it cannot be that a prophet perisheth, perish out of Jerusalem. So Jesus is saying that he's going to be working today, working tomorrow, and the third day he will be perfected. And that perfection, as we see in verse 33, he is kind of prophesying that he's going to be dying, he's going to, he's going to die during that third day. Okay? So if we say day one, day two, and in the third day he's perfected, so that's about two and a half years. We know that Jesus' ministry lasted three and a half years, and this, this, um, when Jesus is saying this, probably it's about a year after his ministry has started. And so Jesus is also invoking this day-year principle by saying that I'm going to be working for another two and a half years, and then I'm going to die. So, if we go back to our prophecy in Daniel chapter 9, we see that this um, 69 weeks actually refers to a certain number of, of years. And if we say 69 weeks, we convert that to days. We say 69 times 7, and we get 483 days. And that means that the prophecy from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto Messiah the Prince should actually be 483 years. And that's exactly what we found to be the case. And so this makes this day of principle actually makes this prophecy fit together quite perfectly. Okay. But the prophecy was a 70-week prophecy. If we go back to Daniel chapter 9, it says there that it starts off saying that 70 weeks, Daniel chapter 9, verse 24, it says 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city. Right? So the prophecy is 70 weeks, but there's this period of from the going forth of the command to restore into build Jerusalem, that's the 69 weeks, so 483 years. Um, if we have 70 weeks, it's actually 490 years in total, which means that the prophecy actually ends in the year 34 AD. But it says there, um, as we continue, in verse 26, it says, And after threescore and two weeks shall the Messiah shall Messiah be cut off. Now, this cutting off refers to Jesus' death, and it tells us that after threescore and two weeks shall the Messiah be cut off. Now, remember that the 62 weeks comes after the seven weeks, right? In... Um, in verse 25, it says that um, the Messiah the Prince, it shall be seven weeks and three score and two weeks. So this period from 457 BC until 27 AD is split up into two portions. There's a seven weeks and then there's a 62 weeks and then in total they equal 69 weeks. Okay, So it says that after the 62 weeks portion, so that seven weeks was actually um, the time it took to rebuild and to restore Jerusalem. So that's seven weeks which is um, seven days in a week, seven times seven is 49. So that's 49 days, which, equal, which equals 49 years. So it took 49 years for um, the Jerusalem to be restored and to be rebuilt. And then there was this next 62 weeks, um, which, which ends up in the year 27 AD when Jesus comes. But now just to show you that this cutting off actually refers to Jesus' death, let's go to Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah is also one of the major prophets. And Isaiah 53 is also a prophecy about Jesus' death. Isaiah 53, reading from verse 8, it says, He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. So it tells us that he was cut off out of the land of the living. So being cut off refers to um, the death of Jesus. 
And so this text tells us, though the prophecy tells us when it says that after three score and two weeks shall the Messiah be cut off, it's saying that after the year 27 AD, Jesus would, Jesus would die. And that's exactly what happened. Now let's go back to Daniel chapter 9. We continue with this prophecy. Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. It says, And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. Okay, now remember that Jesus was anointed in the 69th, after 69 weeks, 27 AD. It says, he will confirm the covenant with many for one week. So that takes us to the year 34 AD. That's, that's that last week, that 70th week. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. So something happened in the midst of that week. Now, once again, we know that Jesus' ministry lasted three and a half years. The reason we know that Jesus' ministry lasted three and a half years is because John records four Passovers in Jesus' life. Um, there's a Passover mentioned in John 2 verse 13. There's one mentioned in John 5 verse 1. The third one mentioned in John 6 verse 4. And then another one in John 12 verse 1. And these are, um, these are annual events. The prophecy happened once. This uh, Passover happened once a year. And Jesus died. Jesus was crucified at this last prophecy. And this is how we know that his ministry lasted for three and a half years. And so by the day your principle, a week, it says he will confirm the covenant with many for one week. It says, but in the midst of the week, so halfway through that um, that seventh, that 70th week gives us, um, instead of seven, seven days, we have three and a half days, which is three and a half years, representing Jesus' ministry. And it says in the midst of that week, after three and a half years, um, it's in the midst of the week, it says he will um, cause the sacrifice and oblation to cease. So what does it mean to cause the sacrifice and oblation to cease? Well, at Jesus' death, actually, the sacrifices of the, of the sanctuary services actually ceased. Let's go to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. It's describing Jesus' death. Matthew chapter 27. Verse 50 and 51. Matthew 27, verse 50 and 51. It says, Jesus, when he had cried again, you know, this is Jesus on the cross. It says, when, when he had cried again with a loud voice, he yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake and the rocks did rent. And so when Jesus died, the sanctuary or this, this temple of God where all these sacrifices and oblations took place, this veil was ripped in two. And this signified that these sacrifices, these services, these ordinances had now come to an end. And this is what is meant by causing the sacrifice and oblation to cease. So it tells us that in the midst of this week, at the time of Jesus' death, three and a half years, you know, represented by three and a half days, the sacrifice and oblation will cease. This meant that um, the, the, earthly, the earthly sanctuary sacrifices were now, were now at end. You know, they had now reached fulfillment in the um, life and death of Jesus Christ. No, no more um, was it necessary for sacrifices to be, to, be, to be made by animals because Jesus now, the ultimate sacrifice, had, filled, had fulfilled this, this prophecy um, that was actually being uh, prophesied by these sanctuary services that was taking place. So this is the 70-week prophecy. And um, anybody living in the time of Jesus, if they had known um, Daniel chapter 9, if they had known the day year principle, they would have realized that this actually was the Messiah, the Prince, anointed in the year 27 AD, in the midst of the week, um, cut off, and in the midst of this week, causing the sacrifice and oblation to cease. Anybody living in that time um, would be sure that this was the Messiah. So I hope you've learned a lot in this, um, in this, this, 
study about the 70-week prophecy, and I hope to see you in the next one.